My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road, I feel so alone, I forgot what Today is Friday, December 29th in the year 2023. We're coming right up on New Year's really fast here, pretty quick. It's amazing. It's really quite do the quick days. I guess that's Monday, right? No kidding. I'm like just like sitting here realizing how quickly this has come upon us. And it really has come fast. We're looking at, uh, let me see, you're looking at my calendar real quick. So we're like, yeah, Monday's going to... Sunday night and Monday. So New Year's Eve and then Monday is New Year's. So that's pretty amazing. You know, the um I was kind of doing a scan of headlines this morning and balancing that with the reality of what I'm working with last night, which I'll get to. 
And it's, we have this concept of stewardship and shepherding versus the concept of destruction and, and developing power and leverage over people. And it's really this, this concept, I think we look at it clearly, we see the David in our lives, or are we going to end up being like David's army or the army that David was supporting? And the true sense of, of change comes from those that are, I think, able to step in and understand the true value of what it is to shepherd, not just steward. I think churches these days very frequently try to steward. I think they fall far short, but nonetheless. And I think that shepherding is something that is another level. And then you put that onto the world stage and you realize that people aren't shepherding at all. They try to tell you that as a nation state. They try to lead you to places to believe that they are truly shepherding for you when in fact they're stewarding in a selfish way those wealth and power circles that they have to gain more for the benefit of themselves. So it's a little bit of a twist on the stewardship concept, but we're going to play with that a little bit this morning and see where that takes us. One thing that's very, very clear right now is that if you are not getting a good night's sleep, <laughs> I'll speak frankly on this, you need one. Um, MyPillow.com. It is an amazing place for great products. I talk about this frequently. Like the number one product I love on their site right now is the MyPillow 2.0. It is amazing. I tucked into two of them last night at, I guess it was 2.30 or 3 in the morning, which, um, again, that story is coming. So anyway, head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. There's some amazing uh, sales going on right now. And... Uh, those include free shipping on all your orders. So if you use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, you're going to take advantage of all those great, great savings. So anyway, check it out. It's beautiful place to check out beautiful products to make you, I sound like Trump, beautiful, beautiful. It's great products to help you truly sleep better and have a great time. So mypillow.com forward slash BARDS, promo code BARDS. Can't miss it. Great company. Patriotic has fought for liberty all the way through, and we know it because they, they continually want to sink that company. And that's not going to happen because it's blessed. Okay, Patriots. Last night, and this is where the story comes about, I was working late, and it was somewhere after midnight, close to midnight, I guess. It wasn't quite midnight. Um, and I was um, finishing up some things, and I hear the, the howl of coyotes. And you know how I feel about coyotes on the property. Especially since they already killed one of my calves. And it's the place where we have to make a decision. And, and after midnight on a long day, and you're in your sweats, hanging out, getting ready to go to bed, the first thing that does not come to your mind is getting on your gear and going hunting. But that's what we do. And it's just part of shepherding. And it's the principle that that which is before us is greater than us because it's a gift of God. And we have to take extreme care of it and do all we can to protect it. Coyotes are like right out of the bowels of hell as far as I'm concerned. The way they fight, what they do. And because um, I don't know if you understand, but I, I'm not saying you do or don't, but coyotes are, are very... Um, conniving because what they'll do is they'll come around and they nip at the 
Achilles area in the back tendons of the feet and they cripple the animal so that the animal can't function and then they feed on it and as the animal is there very much alive they they chew it and feed on it and um, very much reminds you of how the entire deep state operates because they try to hobble you they don't try to they don't just come out and confront you and it's not a fight it's a it's a swarm of of these beasts that are trying to take life and take it in a painful and horrible way. Now, one could say they're God's creatures. That may be so. I I look at them more as something out of the bowels of Satan's lair itself, and I think the best place for them is once you kill them to string their bodies up on the fence so other coyotes smell them and understand that the property's off limits. That's me. And I'm definitely not one of these peaceniks that want to bring in and populate areas with wolves and coyotes because it's a natural ecosystem, because these are animals that truly want to take away something that is very important, which is cattle and, and feeds. And ultimately, cattle feed people. Coyotes feed on that. So they're a parasite. So that's what I did last night. It was a little after midnight, and I went out for a couple of hours. The property's kind of muddy right now, but most amazing experience in walking through the property. The fog had settled down last night. And um, I just walked the property and went on basically a patrol to look for what I could see. I knew where they're coming through and they weren't there. And just moving through the fog at night and just doing what you know you had to do. There's, and here's the piece. And it was a really interesting shift for me last night. Not that there's ever, I'm not one that is afraid of the night by any means, but there was, an, there was a purpose-driven issue last night of stepping into the darkness. And there's a lot of metaphors here I'm being very intentional about. Uh, stepping into the darkness and feeling empowered in the darkness and feeling that place in the darkness where you could walk and you could be there with God and be there boldly with God and have no fear, whatever. And obviously the property is relatively safe. Um, Coyotes don't tend to like humans, so they tend to run away. We do, I believe, have a bear around here somewhere, the one that destroyed my beehives, and I'm still looking for that. Um, but it's a, it's a place of purpose, which is shepherding. And when we step into the place of shepherding, and we all should be stepping into shepherding, we're understanding our greater role in our walk with God. When we bring somebody to Jesus, when we open that world up to them, they now become part of a responsibility that we have that we have to shepherd. And I think we tend to lose sight of this very frequently because it's great to bring people to Christ. But the question we really have to ask constantly is are we shepherding them to become great within the body of Christ? The cows are perfectly capable of fending off coyotes for the most part. Though obviously coyotes killed one of my calves, and that's a very personal blow to me. I love these animals, and I cherish them because of how of what they represent. But even more so, these in particular, there's it's a very anointed gifting from God in these. As I've seen the progression of my, from my first herd, that was what I was able to get and afford, and then what I was able to grow to because of God's blessing. It becomes very personal with me when you have creatures that want to try to take that life 
and take a life for its own. And as I was walking through the property last night and I'm hunting and I am very clear, I, I mean, you should know me after the time now on this channel, something like this, I will, I will kill it if it's coming near my animals and I will have no problem doing so. So I'm going to push the windows a little bit this morning and I want you to settle in on this and hear what I'm going to say. So as I'm walking through the property last night and I'm slogging through the mud and there's pretty much one place down below where the water settles and they just, they have turned it into mud, which is good. Cattle do well. And there's a little bit of overgrazing going on in a couple of the um, pastures right now. So we're going to really start bumping up the hay here the next couple of days. But I've been blessed because we haven't had to bring hay out until now, which is amazing. Uh, and as we put hay, we'll easily carry them with hay until early spring. And at that point, um, they're going to have grass again anyway. So it's really kind of just an amazing year we've had here on the property. We haven't, we've only had like two freeze days. The grass is still green and they're still eating fresh clover and fresh rye, which is really amazing in itself. So all that said, um, as I'm moving through this area and I'm, I'm walking through the fog and walking up hills and, and I'm thinking to myself about what I'm willing to do at 2 a.m. in the morning to protect my calves and protect the herd. What I had to ask myself is, why am I so willing to do it for cattle and not so willing to do it for the children? And it's a settling moment, and I have to be honest with you, because... We aren't doing that for our children. We are not protecting our children with the commitment of what I'm giving to these cattle. And I know that there's ranchers all over this country that do what I do. So as I'm, I'm working through our, our, my, my stewardship of cattle, I'm asking myself that question of why aren't we applying that same principle of dedication to the stewardship of our children. I'm not saying parents aren't doing it individually. I think some parents are doing an amazing job, but I still think that we're being very careless. When there's coyotes on this property, we have to become vigilant. And that vigilance has to be like that last night. You hear them, you have to respond to them, and you have to, you have to go to them and deal with them to protect your herd. We talk about stewardship, and I see this a lot, families that work hard to protect or nurture their children within the walls of their home, and yet they cast them out into the public school system, and they become digested by what is little more than a satanic, satanic indoctrination system, and then are surprised when their children suddenly, their son comes in and says he's a girl, or their girl comes in and says he's a boy. You're surprised when you learn that your child has got beta blockers being given to it or HR, you know, hormone transition theory, HR, HTR, hormone transition, whatever that is, the drugs, horrible. We're surprised at this and we're shocked at this and yet where's, where's our shepherding? It's not about stewardship, but where's our shepherding? Where's our vigilance? Where are we losing perspective here that just like the cattle, we have to protect and we have to be vicious about that protection. There is no question in my mind. We've what I what I'll go to to protect these animals. We have somebody in our wildlife management system here in our local county 
driven by the stupidity of our state, has decided it's a good idea to bring the wolf back into the area. I will assure you that is not a good idea when you start bringing wolves back into this area, especially wolves that were not native to this area, but they want to repopulate them. This is all part of your Agenda 2030 stuff. And I will guarantee you that even though that wolf has a tracker on it, if that wolf comes in this property, it's going to miraculously end up being run over by my Jeep somewhere down the road because it is not going to harm my cattle. And that's something that we have to start crossing those lines to say there's things that are acceptable and not acceptable. We look at life very clearly when we look at God's creatures in the world. We're willing to protect the cattle over a, a coyote, a wolf, a, a mountain lion, a cougar. And yet we pivot to our own children and we give them less protection and less shepherding than that. And I will be honest, it, it has really forced me to reflect very deeply on why we have this disconnect. You can tolerate coyotes to a degree. The fact that they killed a calf is probably more indicative of the calf's health than it was the actual attacking of a calf. My guess is that at the time, the best we can put together with the one calf that was killed by the coyotes is the calf was probably born weak and it was on a cold morning. It was the one morning that we had a, a snap freeze. The calf probably didn't get enough of its early nutrients. And the mother was likely not right there or the mother was caught vulnerable, meaning giving just giving birth. And the coyotes took advantage of it because the coyotes typically don't touch a cattle herd because the cows have a tendency of stomping coyotes and coyotes know it, but they make a lot of noise. But nonetheless, the coyotes were responsible and it's one pack, and they have a den, and it's on the property adjacent to mine. And we're going to find it, and when we find it, we're going to kill every one of them. And there'll be no, none of that den left, because they don't belong here. They're a threat. And so I ask that question because we have a moral piece in our head where we say, well, it's just an animal and I'm, you're just killing another animal that's protecting your herd, which has a monetary value to it, which my herd does have a significant monetary value to it. So there is a lot of rationalization that I can give towards my shepherding of protecting my herd. I can delineate that in terms of a, 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 a budget. I can say the herd cost me X. Every cow, when I got them, was pregnant. That means a return on that investment of X. That means each calf has a future value of Y, and therefore, as a coyote kills one, that's a monetary value, and I have the right, and this is actually a rational, rationalization you use when justifying destroying wildlife on your property, even though it may be out of season or you don't have a tag. And that's part of your stewardship and your management of your herd, but I would take it further to say that's part of your shepherding. So the question gets into this place of, how have we missed this with our children? How have we disconnected this? Our children are given to us as the most precious gift in life that we receive. We have co-created with God to create them. And in this world, we race to want to educate them, which is wonderful in certain levels. But our education often becomes a process of outsourcing them and pushing them out to do this or that. And if that's done with all of the love of kingdom and what we're, we're doing there, that's wonderful. But 
with that comes shepherding. Stewardship is the piece of making sure that in your, in however your profile of, of educating your child, that would be stewardship, teaching them the love of, of our father, teaching them the richness of the word, raising them up with knowledge of foundations of perhaps science and math and technology. So they have these sorts of understandings in the world, teaching them technical, technical skills or the skills of welding or, or woodworking or electrical plumbing, maybe all of those. That's, that's great stewardship of your children. But where's the shepherding? And how did we get to a place where it's okay to literally send our children into the den of coyotes or the den of wolves and think that they're going to come out normal? If I sent a calf in with a den of coyotes and I handed that calf over to those coyotes without its mother in the herd around, that calf would be dead within an hour. And maybe not dead, it would be deeply maimed. The calf would be in enormous pain and the coyotes would nip at it and feed on it. And then ultimately what we have around here is the eagles will finish it off. So we are in a place right now in our society that somehow in the deep process of programming of what has happened is we have lost our way in terms of shepherding. We aren't understanding what's involved in shepherding this is the David. When David stood before Goliath, he had already had the experience, as he told the general, he had already had the experience of conquering his fears and shepherding his flock. He took on the mountain lions. He took on the, the wild beasts. And he defeated them with his own hands. He was fearless. He understood the responsibility of shepherding, of being that protector and overseer to make sure that what he had as a flock would stay with him and close to him, would listen to him, would be able to, and if he had to go find a, a lost lamb, he would go. He would search for the one over the many, the one, not the 99. And so we have our children in a world, in a hostile environment right now, in a world where everything about this world is about destroying the innocence and destroying life. I watch these calves. There's 10 now. We're supposed to get five more. And I watch these calves. And I watched them the other day. And the herd is protecting all of them. The calves group up. There's a group of three of them that hang out a lot together. There's a couple others that are twos. There's some new ones that are really still very close to mama. They, You watch the way the mamas work. They they go out and they'll one will, will watch over three or four of them. And the others will graze. They, it's a collective environment of mothering and protection. The bull is there on the edge. Though I think sometimes he's more concerned about his ability to, <laughs> to start breeding again in spring than he is about anything else. But that's the bull. He's a good bull, though. And that's the herd. So the herd it went from 17 now to 27. And then we still have five more coming. But I watched yesterday, yeah, it was two days ago, I went up on the hill and I, I check on the herd. And sitting on, my, sitting on my ATV, and as I was kind of moving the herd a bit with the ATV just to kind of get them into a group so I could get a count, I watched all 10 of those calves break off and go ahead of the main body herd. They're kids. They're just, they're, they're literally, there's no other way to describe it. They have the innocence of youth all over them. They're 
throwing their hind legs up. They're chasing each other's tail. They're running around. They're innocent. And I'm looking at this going, you're innocent. And your innocence in this world is being preserved. And that's part of my shepherding. That's part of me to make sure that that calf that's frolicking around the meadow does not have its innocence taken from it, that it grows naturally, that it nurtures from its mother, that it has the right to do that. There's a point when we will break that. There's a point when we will pull off the calf from the mother. And it's not a comfortable point. And that's still something, there's even that, that's an ongoing discussion because there's a natural way to do that where you just allow the mother to get pregnant again and then let her naturally wean the calf. And then there's the other point of weaning the calf early. It all it just it matters a great deal on the richness of the grass and what they have to feed on because as the mother gets pregnant, she's going to have more demands on her body. But they will naturally wean the calves. Nonetheless, my job as shepherd is to see to it that that process, wherever that is, that those calves have the ability to be calves with their mother. And as I looked at this, I'm thinking to myself, why am I and any other rancher more committed to this in ensuring the protection of innocence, which is what it is, and the right for a calf to be a calf than I am for a child in our world? And the fact is, we can't distinguish that. I mean, we, we can't say literally that there is a truth there. We go, and I'll just give you this. The predator comes into the schools, and it comes in the form of a teacher, and it comes in the form of a, of a, a school administrator, and or it comes in the form of somebody on the school board. And they make a decision to introduce pornography into schools. Not just pornography, but vile pornography that's written in kids' books so that children see it in comics, and they learn about this perversion of sexual acts to completely strip themselves of the innocence of the world. They no longer have an innocent way of seeing the world. They have an adult, corrupted way of seeing the world, which separates them from their love and intimacy and father, it corrupts them from the very seed and the very root. And instead of going after the predator, there's a hesitancy by a large part of the public to say anything, and a one or, or maybe two parents might step up and say, this is wrong. This is not the way it should be. And we fight this fight through a very polite argument. We take it to debate in the public forum. We discuss whether it should happen. In the meantime, the predator is still moving. This is very much on par with like watching a coyote literally gnaw on the calf, chew on it, the calf, and then go over and try to have a, a, a nice peaceful discussion about how we can gently capture and relocate that den. Because we don't know where the dens are. The dens are hidden. You can find get a good trapper, they'll find them. That's not the point. But I'm saying just for a normal eye, dens are well hidden. They're hard to locate. And the only way you're going to destroy a den is you're going to have to kill the mother and the father. And you've got to knock them out so that the babies ultimately starve. Unless you can get them all. And once you cut the head off of that, that den will die. And we have a big male coyote around here. Matter of fact, when I saw him, I thought he was a wolf. He's that well-fed and he's that robust. I've seen him on the property once. And yes, I had my rifle with me. No, I couldn't draw fast enough because I spooked him out. So we are in a place where we're taking our children and throwing them into the dens of wolves and coyotes 
and then we discover the problem and we see where the predator is attacking and the predator is feeding on the children, corrupting the children, slowly killing off the innocence of the child. It's a destruction that will never go away. You can't repair that. You can't give it back. And we can pray on that and we can pray healing on that child and we can give blessings on that child and we can do all of that. But that scarring is going to take years to undo. And with the blessings of Jesus, we can do all those things. But it's not just one child. It's the entire group of children, like all 10 calves being corrupted. And it will change the entire nature of that child's life as it will change the entire nature of, of calves if they are under constant attack. That threat changes their nature. They're going to have, they may not develop as well. They'll be much more skittish around people. They won't trust as much. And there's this symbiotic relationship that happens when you shepherd and you're with your herd. They don't like to be, they like to kind of stay on their own, which is understandable, but they know why you're there. They know what my purpose is. They don't have to hang out with me and come eat out of my hand. They know why I'm there and I'm not there for them. I'm there to protect them and do my job. And that gives the herd strength and gives the herd confidence that they don't have to wage a fight on their own. Think of a child. Imagine the child in first contact with pornography. I've thought this through. It's like, I don't even know how this works in a child's mind, but imagine exactly. But I'm just going through this place of having the innocence stripped from them. It's so corrosive. It's so deadly. It's so deep. And you know that somewhere in there, just watching children, being with children, you know somewhere in there that child wants to just turn to their mother and say, Mommy or Dad. And because they've been put into the den, that instinct is killed off because they have no one but who? The teacher. And the teacher is the predator. And if that teacher is pushing that material, I don't care where they are or not, that teacher has become the predator. And yet, there's no one the child has to turn to now. They're trapped, they're captured, and they become victim and of the fact that we're not shepherding them. Around the world, when we look at the politics, the headlines, the things that are going on, this is not a world of, of shepherding. This is a world about killing. This is a world about managing and stewarding assets and wealth, making people stronger and mightier. And we see this everywhere. I mean, just this headline alone speaks volumes. Israel pressures the U.S. for more Apache helicopters, even while owning up to mass civilian casualty airstrikes. Let's get that clear. They're killing innocent civilians, and they're asking the U.S. for more weapons to do it. And we're saying, we're going to give you some. Because we're going to supply the Zionists for their slaughter of innocents. And we're going to go about this because that's stewarding assets. That means that if you get an order for a helicopter, you're going to get more bankroll and you're going to get a better trade on Wall Street and you're going to get a better growth and your employees are going to get to have longer jobs even though what you're making is a tool of destruction that's literally killing children, women, and men. Innocent. That's a dark element of stewardship because it's stewardship of a company. It's not about stewardship of a people for God. It's stewardship for the dark purposes of personal gain and wealth. There's not a single bit of shepherding in that. That's the world we're in. And across the world, everything is moving this way. We have a group of parasites that have taken control of our governments. Germany, 
Leftist politician in Germany says migrants are entitled to mass loot grocery stores. This is all about their power. It's about stewarding their wealth so that they gain more. It has nothing about shepherding the people they're supposed to be representing. And that mentality that's corrupt in here is, is now corrupted and, and created a cancer within the world in which we walk. So what, is, what are we willing to do to shepherd our children? One of the first things, obviously, that everyone should be doing is just like changing, improving the fencing or changing the pasture. I need to get into protecting that herd to ensure that the coyotes don't get to it or at least minimize their ability to get to it. And I then have to take on the active role of shepherding. Now, I'll be bringing on a couple of dogs here, and they'll be my herd dogs. And they will protect that herd, and they will literally engage coyotes to kill them. But this is a war. And life in its real form is warfare. We get so comfortable in our decadent lifestyles. And we can be so detached from the rawness of what life is. We get lured into saying, as the Pied Piper brings the children across into the den, or like, the witch in, in Little Red Riding Hood that lures, or I guess it's the wolf, or Hansel and Gretel's the witch. And these are all stories of what to be aware of. Little Red Riding Hood gets lured by the wolf. Hansel and Gretel get lured by the witch. Is any, has anything changed? The answer is no. And what is the, what's the parallel in each of those stories? The children are alone. Those fables, the children are alone. They're left into the world to defend for themselves. And they're dark stories. Are we not doing that again? Are we not repeating these fables that are literally saying, I'm sending my child out into the world without me, without my protection, without me being the shepherd of my child? We talk all the time what a person's willing to do to protect their children in the home. So why are we not carrying that into the world, especially when you're throwing a child into the world? These are big questions, and they're questions that get to the core of shepherding. And what are you willing to do to shepherd your children? That's a question that one everyone needs to ask. I know what I'm willing to do to shepherd my, my, my herd, including human beings. And we are having problems of poachers, and it's going to get worse. And we've had already reports from different parts of the country that people are coming onto folks' property they're doing a quick kill of a cow, and then they're just doing things like cutting the backstrap out of it and lefting, leaving the rest of the animal to rot. These are poachers. And yes, these people might be hungry, but this is not the way we go about it. They're coming onto the property to kill. What are you willing to do to protect the herd? The rules actually are pretty clear. And I know what I'm willing to do. Because this herd relies on me to shepherd it. And again, I throw that question back as we keep cycling back on this. Why is that shepherding not happening with our children? We have active predators in our school systems. They're worse than coyotes. They're worse than wolves. There's no dignity in anything they do. We have predators that are on our school boards. They're worse than coyotes. They're worse than wolves. Because they have, there's nothing to them other than a slathering desire to 
put sexual images into a child so they can be more easily groomed. Don't fool yourself. These predators know exactly what they're doing. These predators are enjoying it. They, they actually get arousal out of the idea of feeding this material to a child. And any school board member, any school board president, anybody in the administration in schools down to the teacher that doesn't have absolute revulsion to feeding children the images of pornography, they are a predator in their mind. They're finding a joy and a pleasure of teaching children about things that they should never be taught about. They enjoy it. Just like a coyote enjoys the idea of nipping a, a young calf and gnawing on it and allowing it to slowly die. It enjoys it. It feeds on it. That's who we're dealing with. So as we step in as a culture and we start to look at ourselves, and I will tell you, across the board, you talk to good ranchers, I don't care what size the herd, whether it's 27 like I have, or whether it's 500 head, they're going to do and approach the same thing. They're going to go out and they're going to hunt that predator. And they'll find that predator and they'll kill it. The guy that I ran cattle with the last couple of years, he was losing a sheep a night. And so he went down on his, one of his leases and he found it. And he had lost extensively at this point, I believe he had lost at this point about 16 sheep. It wasn't a coyote and it wasn't a wolf. That was another issue. He was a local, two local dogs. And our county is very clear. Your dog is involved in, in, in harming livestock, that dog can and will be shot immediately, can and be shot immediately on site, and it will be, if not, if you know where it is, the county will intervene, the sheriff will intervene, issue a fine to the, to the homeowner, and confiscate the dog and have it put down. And there's no financial recourse, meaning the homeowner doesn't get a chance to claim that their animal has a great value and it was unfair shooting and I'm going to sue you. It doesn't even fly in my county. The guy we ran cattle with did the right thing. He shot both those dogs, called the sheriff. The sheriff came down immediately, drove right over to the neighbor's house where these dogs were, informed the neighbors that their dogs were now dead, issued a citation for each of the animals for violating the law and harming livestock, and gave them a, a, date, a court date to appear in court. Again, it's a financial ledger issue here. The livestock is seen as valuable because it produces a, an income and because of that income, we're willing to protect it at all costs. How have we missed that with our children? How do we not have that level of obedience and discipline and shepherding for our children? How is it that we have sheriffs that will stand and allow a discussion about corrupting children's minds with pornography, which is no different in, in the in end effect than a coyote nipping at the tendons on the back of the leg to cripple that animal. There's no difference there. And yet it's legal for me to kill a neighbor's dog. I don't care how, in, how expensive the breed. I will drop it and kill it and leave it there and call the sheriff and he will come, confirm it, and issue a citation. So how is it that we have gotten to a place where our children sent to the dens of wolves and dens of coyotes we as parents, number one, are not stepping in as a collective whole, and as adults, and as men, that's always where it comes back to, the men, 
are not stepping in to hunt the predators. And hunting takes many forms, be very clear. But you have to find where the predator is, you have to find out where it lives, and you have to drive it out in one way or another. How is it that we have allowed these predators to seed in and settle into our communities, unaccounted, unabated, with no resistance from the community, and a willfulness to allow the predators to continue and to free range and free roam. And the only resistance they get, for the most part, is a bunch of words and a threat of being deposed in the next election. Do you realize how much damage occurs in that span of time? We have to get back to stewardship on one level, but we have to get back to shepherding on the other. And when we return back to the principle of shepherding and understanding that the shepherd will protect his flock at all costs, now we're somewhere. Manage your children is what we should be telling the country. Manage your children as you would manage your herd and livestock and manage it with that authority and that focus and that intensity. And don't waver because if a predator comes into a community and understands that that community is vigilant, a predator will not stay. The one thing that's good about my property, and even though I've not been able to kill the coyotes, I've had three sightings. I've taken two shots, unfortunately missed two because I just misranged it. And where I was at, I was shooting downhill. But those coyotes also do know that they are being pursued. And actually, this is the first time I've actually heard them on the property for some time. It was last night or early this morning. But I am vigilantly going after them. We will find them. And we will destroy them. So if the word of hunting and the, herds of, the ideas of shepherding and protecting your child, if the words of pursuing your predator, hunting the predator of your child, and if the word kill bothers you, well, all I can say is these are predators. And if that word bothers you, then at least acknowledge that you're going to pursue them and drive them out. But nonetheless, these are predators, every one of them. And we can have the compassion of deliverance and we can bring out the shifting of realizing there may be under a demonic influence. At the end of the day, none of that matters in the crisis of the moment. The shepherd has to step in to protect the flock. And to do that, the shepherd has to step in to do what needs to be done to ensure the flock is safe and that the baby lamb or the calf that innocence is protected so that you have a good herd when it grows up. We know in managing animals that if an animal is traumatized when it's young, it will not make a good mother or a good, a good breeder when it gets older. It's not that you can't undo some of that because you can, but trauma does affect all those things. Why would we not take that same care for our children? That's one to think about. And it's one I've been thinking about all night. As I sat up on the hill and the fog settled in and I sat there for an extra hour just overlooking my hurt. Just being there to know that I knew where they were. I knew they were safe. And I was going to do anything necessary to ensure that. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today very humbled. 
And we just ask for some clarity and a blessing of, of discernment and a blessing of being a shepherd to settle in on the hearts of this nation and the hearts of this world. This is a time right now that we have lost our way. We are so willing to sacrifice our children to the altars of Baal and Moloch that we have forgotten the role of what it is to be a shepherd. We've forgotten the heart of David, or we just don't, haven't had it. We've forgotten what it is to be a warrior within the body of Christ, to flip tables, to stand against the Pharisees, to stand between the adulteress and her accusers, to be that bold, to be that empowered, to be that driven, to understand that at all costs, we need to shepherd, and in particular, the little ones, and in particular, their innocence. Father, forgive us as a nation for our, our sins. Forgive us for falling. Forgive us for deviating to such a degree. Forgive us from a place where we have lost our way and thinking that stewarding is the same as shepherding, of missing our place, of not wanting to step into the gap of shepherding, to be active in our children's roles, to be willing to continue to push them into the den of the coyotes and the wolves. And then ask ourselves, what happened? Why are you not like I thought you would be? Why do I have to spend so much time trying to retrain you? Forgive this nation for its naivety, for sending a child into a place without its parent and then subjecting it, knowing your child is being subjected to the most horrific things. Forgive this nation for the ignoring of the screams of a child or the begging of a child to see its mother or father in those critical times when a child by instinct will seek the parent when they know something's wrong. And yet stripping that from them to isolate them and traumatize them and to leave them in a foreign world without their parents to be subjected to literally the most destructive forces one could ever wage against a child's mind, the perversion of sexuality which leads ultimately to the destruction of a child's perspective of themselves and the propagandized thinking that somehow you, Father, were imperfect as you brought them into this world, blessed us with their life, and now suddenly their gender is wrong. These are massive blows to the core root of which a child is so deeply connected to, the root of understanding that a child is so close to you. And as shepherds, this predator should never have gotten close to these children. So forgive us. So Father, we just raise our prayers today and raise our hands and we just pray that this nation will be embodied with a fire now, a fire to step in and to protect the little ones, a fire of the shepherd of the heart, the David within us, especially the men. It's time to stop the debates. We aren't debating whether it's right or wrong to put pornography in schools or mandate this sort of thinking and the grooming framework that's going on in our public schools. It's not a debate of whether a teacher is right or wrong or whether a teacher has to be obedient to the union. It's simply a fact that it's wrong in kingdom and it has to be stopped. We pray for the empowerment of action. People will step in and stop with this nonsense of trying to debate with evil. Evil is evil, and this is the core face of it. And we pray for the strength of the shepherd to rise, to be able to step in and give the ultimatum, as David gave to Goliath. 
making it very clear the consequences, as David told Goliath and reminded Goliath, I will kill you and I will cut off your head. That sort of authority, when we deal with the protection of the little ones, is an authority that we now have to embrace. It was given to us. And it's whether we are willing to step into that place and understand what's at stake. So, Father, we just pray for that sort of intensity, the fire of the shepherd to raise up and awaken in this nation, to realize that what's at stake is the future, not only of a nation, but of our very souls, of how we are going to protect the little ones. So, Father, guide us in this hour. Bless us. Forgive us. And as we as we pursue forward and we say these things in Christ Jesus name amen these are important reflection points that we arrive at on this walk they're important points to give deep consideration to and to really ask ourselves where we are there is nothing more precious in this world than our children And when we step in finally to that role of protecting them as much as we protect a calf or a a lamb, then we're starting to get somewhere. But as it is now, if I was in this world and I was worried about how I would grow up, I would find myself, if given a crazy choice, to find myself safer being a calf or a lamb than I would as a child. And that's a pretty sick statement for the children of the Most High. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you this evening from Bards FM, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal, but that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space 
promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 